Party people! Yeah! Tag team music in full effect. That's me, DC, the brain supreme. And my man Steve Rowland. We're kicking the flow. We're kicking the flow. And it goes a little something like this. Welcome to episode 48 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for Hockey Ohio, covering every level playing from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. As always, I'm joined by Jason Lewandowski, producer Dan Humphrey, and tonight, Scott Harrington. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by Team Ohio. Time in the rink as a Team Ohio player is about more than competition. It's about seizing opportunities to grow as athletes, being a great teammate, and part of a community. That's why Team Ohio's premier Tier 2 hockey program welcomes youth players ages 5 to 18 years old to join the nationally lauded program. With reasonable fees, transparency, and athlete development that has prepped players for teams at all levels. Team Ohio is here to coach players for success, both on and off the ice. Go to TeamOhio.com to learn more. Well, love, how much fun was it talking to Coach Bergeron last week? The head coach of the Miami Redhawks is one focused individual, and he's updated us on where he is and where the program is two years into this tenure, and he tries to replicate the rebuilding job he did at Bowling Green in his third stint in Oxford as a head coach of Miami. Passion, uh, foresight, or a couple words that come through, like this guy, he's got it. He is locked in. Honest, uh, honest. Honesty, oh. yeah. some of which some some a lot of people lack these days, but um, he is honest. You know what I love about it when we talked about him, when he was like, we are not good. We're not big enough. We're not fast enough. We need to get better. And it's I mean, you know, some of his players, if not all, were listening to that and were like, uh, OK, <laughs> right. And, and I'm sure, me. And, yeah. and, and I'm sure it's stuff that that he's already told them. I mean, like you said, like you said, man, he was, he was, he, he was so transparent with how he felt that the honesty was so refreshing to hear. Um, I loved how, I mean, he, he's a, one of many and I'm not trying to downplay what he said, but he's one of many that, that states we recruit a person, bring good people. We can make them the hockey players, bring the good people. We can teach them how we need them to play. It's fantastic. And he also said, you know, we need guys that can play at that level. However, the good people make the good teammates, which make the good teams. They play for each other. I mean, he was just on tilt the entire time, and it was phenomenal. So, so you're you're a, let's the, the devil's advocate here. You're a current player at Miami University, listening to your head coach say what he said, which is it's great to be honest, and yep. that's that's good. And then you know that there's a 12-player recruiting class coming in. Yeah. What do I do? Well, I'm not. I'm I'm training. <laughs> I'm working on what I'm supposed to work on. Right. And I'm taking my from my exit meeting what they suggest that I work on, and I do it. I probably do it in overdrive because I want to keep my job. So, other side of that, you're one of the 12 recruits coming in, and you're like, oh. My new head coach is going to be on a podcast. Never heard of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast, but what the hell? Take a listen. 
my head coach is on, and he hear and you hear that. Yeah. Don't tell me you just don't try to draw, uh, run through that wall right now. Hundred percent. I mean, he's creating internal competition, right? Yeah. That's what well, you want. And and that's what he said. And, and the thing about it is, you look at every place he's been. And I know it's been three places. One twice, or one technically three times, but right. you know, he's succeeded everywhere he's gone. As he said that he learned from George McPhee, get up and do things the right way every day. Yeah. He's done it. He built, he helped build Miami. He helped build Bowling Green. He's going back to rebuild Miami. He's going to do it. It's just a matter of time. And like he said, if, if you hear his spiel and you don't like that, or you're not interested in giving that sort of effort, then don't come. Cause this right. is what it is. You know, and I found it interesting that he is a big believer of the non one and done. And, and, you know, he said the portal, you know, I mean, he, he, not, not that he needed to justify to anybody uh, why it was okay that a junior was transferring over from Bowling Green. But I mean, he, he mentioned that kid, they recruited that kid. That kid understands the process. He understands the culture, you know, so that was a great talk. It was good to talk to, uh, to coach and, and, and get his insight. And that was, uh, um, I know Scott, you weren't on last week, but uh, I, I appreciate the the text message to uh, the group after you listened to it, and you were like, "Wow, that was good." Yeah, there's there's zero BS uh, with that guy, and like Lev said, I, I doubt he's giving us a, saying anything different on here than he said to his players uh, behind closed doors. And the nice thing is that when you're doing an interview, like I had a chance to talk to him uh, right before the season, you guys had a chance to talk to him. It's not like you have to worry about uh, this is going to be a, a sensitive question. How do I word this? How do I, you can just put it out there. He, he's going to give you a straight answer and he understands where they are. It's not like, you know, he doesn't know. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you hey, know, I in, think, go ahead. In, in, in fact, when I messed up the reading, cause my mind just went blank and I was like, you know, Oh, I'm so sorry, coach. No problem. <laughs> so I, I'm just going to start again. All right, let's go. Like, I mean, my man's, he's ready to go, man. And, and, and you have to appreciate that. that. That's, that's a guy that, you know, wholeheartedly is in that trench with you. And he, like he said, I care about my players. I care about the people. You have to build those relationships. He, he doesn't just talk it, man. He walks it wholeheartedly. Absolutely. And, and then, then talking to him, <laughs> not only about coaching, but how about some of his, his playing days in Toledo and Cincinnati, we're going to talk about it in a minute. But the roller hockey, it was a summer job. Danny, you and, I, you and I are in education, man. We would have to have summer jobs. Hell, if you could have told me I could have played roller hockey instead of work for the city of Bay Village, hell, I would have done it. Traveled the world. Traveled North America playing right. roller hockey. Loved it. And he called it his summer job. <laughs> it was great. And what did but he say? The more it was – it was a win based. Yeah, the, their, more, the more they won, checks. the more they got. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they won the whole, you know, they won the whole thing that year. <laughs> That's great. Hell of a job. I believe <laughs> they flew places. They they flew around. I, yeah. I assumed it was a bus league. I remember when it was kind of big there when it was on ESPN and stuff in the mid nineties. Did they have like the? Wasn't it ramped up in the behind the nets and stuff? Like it was. I think that was something else. Was that I think that came. Else? Well, maybe it was. I maybe it was like it was like tube TV back then. You know, that <laughs> made it look like it was all bubbled out. Yeah, I do remember something with a ramp, though. You're right. And then, well, that was didn't they have beach? Uh, 
roller hockey too. I mean, it wasn't on a beach, but it was outside. Boy, that'd be tough on the sand, huh? Ooh. And I think I, <laughs> I, mean, I think they had ramps for that. I think I think the one he's talking about was pretty straightforward uh, on the NHL ranks, like you said. And, and I, I loved, and as we've heard before, but uh, I loved his stories of of the old T- Toledo sports arena and people sitting next to you smoking cigarettes as you're out there, you're, you're up your shifts next. And this guy's like ashing on you and stuff, you know? So, um, no, good, good, good conversation there. Well, it's been another week. And, uh, again, typical Cleveland, Ohio weather. It was beautiful past couple days. Going to get some snow again this week. Uh, so let's see what's going on with the boys. Uh, we got Scott Harrington joining us tonight and this is crazy who? as we were just talking. Yeah. Who, who, <laughs> As we were talking, I see my man, management, sipping on a nice glass of red. Jay? Get out of here. Look at him. Wow. Whoa, Whoa sophisticated Scott over here. Again, who? Just opened a new box. <laughs> <laughs> what do you go with? Do you go with the... This like, is a... No, it's not a box. It's actually a nice bottle. I uh, made uh, some fillets the other day, so I got a nice Cabernet to go with. Jay, he, he makes no fillets, fillets. Yeah, uh, a nice bottle of red wine. Um, I had ramen last night. What? <laughs> well, with all that, what'd you do wrong? <laughs> what, what'd you do wrong? Because you're obviously buttering a toast for something. <laughs> so, Scott, what's new, man? Uh, it has been a few weeks, hasn't it? It's been a minute. Yeah. Uh, as the kids say, this. as the kids say these days, it's been a fat minute. It's been a fat minute. Yeah. pH, fat pH, or fat. Anyway, um, I just uh, I spent the weekend actually uh, getting certified in wilderness first aid. So, you know, if anybody gets bitten by a pit viper, I know what to do. Jesus, <laughs> oh, that's going to be good to know. So that, actually, it's those things that you hope you don't need. But where yes. do you find pit vipers at one? Uh, all over the place. Those are uh, here in Ohio. Like rattlesnakes would be a pit, but it's uh, oh. the pit actually refers to something on their nose, I think, the way they smell it. I don't know, but uh, there's a number of, of different kinds of snake that I think we have some in Ohio. So, I would, I would assume that some of our listeners will be doing some camping and traveling. So, can you explain to us how and the process is? <clears throat> let's say you and I were hiking and I got bit by a pit viper, yeah. So, let's say you get bitten by uh, a rattlesnake. Yes. I'm listening. Go ahead. It's actually not as, it's not as deadly as you might think. The two things I think that most people think of is you either suck the poison out and then you put a tourniquet on to keep the blood, the, the venom from spreading around. You actually want to do neither of those things because if you put a tourniquet on, it concentrates the poison and it's going to necrotize that tissue in that one area. So you want to let it spread out. And then you, you don't try to suck the poison out because then the person rescuing you now has a mouthful of venom, which isn't good. I, I would probably lay on the ground and go, suck it out, suck it out, suck the poison out, Scott. No, 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 my dumbass would go, pee on it, just pee on it. That's for, jelly, that's for jellyfish. Right. I'd be so confused. I'd just pee on it. Yeah, just just to be safe, just be on it. So, so yeah. what do you do? So it was a... Uh, uh, you you wash it with soap and water, and you get the person out of there. As, as soon as, that's really all you can do. You try to you try not to like if you can carry them so they don't get their blood pumping too hard. 
you want to keep them calm. Easy to say when you haven't, you're the one that hasn't been bitten by a. I was going to say, you just been bit by a freaking rattlesnake. Yeah. I think your heart's going to be moving. Yeah. So, yeah, you just, at that how long point. Do you, how long does somebody have? Uh, it's a lot longer. It's not like in the movies where you get bit and then you start foaming at the mouth and drop it. You're, you know, you've got like 12 hours or something like that. So, so, I mean, if somebody gets bit by a rattlesnake and they don't get medical attention, I mean, will it kill them? Probably not. Come on. It could, but probably not. Well, I got one for you. It depends. They said 25% of the time, no venom comes out. Oh, well, that's, that's, well, that's, my like life Russian, <laughs> that's like Russian roulette with. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they can control how much venom they, so it, it depends how pissed off they are at you. Okay. Oh. Jay, you I, said you had, you I, had one? I, I, I know a guy that got bit by a timber rattlesnake. It was in a wood pile and it bit him. Mm. He didn't die from the venom. He died from the anti-venom. He you had serious? a reaction. He, yes, I'm dead serious. He had an, an, oh. a reaction to the anti-venom and that's how he died. Who? I, I don't know this guy personally. This is in uh, in uh, stayed over from us. Pennsylvania. No. Wow. Yeah. And and so it's, what was it called? A wood? What uh, was the name of the snake? A timber, timber rattler. Timber rattler. Oh my! And you know I got the big pile of wood in my backyard. Well, whack at it every time. Whack it <laughs> all the time. Always whack the wood. Bounce something on the ground and whack the wood. Hmm. Okay. Now, do I think that really works? I don't know, but my family that lives in Pennsylvania has told me just do that. And I'm like, oh okay. So golf courses bouncing my club all the time. Yeah. I want nothing to do with snakes. What you don't want to get bitten by is a brown recluse spider. Mm -mm. Oh. And they're That's here in Ohio. Funny. Yes. Oh, yeah. Nice to oh, know, oh. right? Okay, so then what happens? What happens if you get bit by one of those? Doesn't uh, it like, eat your flesh? Doesn't like yeah. eat your flesh? Yeah. Yeah, they had pictures and stuff. It's, there's not a whole lot. Again, not a whole lot you can do. You just got to get them to a, a doctor as quickly as you can. Uh, try to keep them calm. But yeah, that's the one where they showed the guy had a little bite on his thumb. There's like two little pinpricks. Then they showed day two, day three. They, by day nine, his thumb was this big and black and stuff oozing out. Of it. It's not good. Oh, not good at all. Oh no! All right, all right. So, what were you, what would you be more scared of now that you have this field training, Commandant? Um, would to see the actual snake or any other thing, or to have to administer care to somebody who has just been bitten what that would be wanted? that was actually a good part of the training because they did there was they did they gave us way too much information in, in a short period of time but they did like scenarios they had kids you know with with injuries you know really good makeup on them out there you know going through different scenarios um that's the one thing you can read all you want <laughs> until it happens you don't know how you're going to react yeah. You know, so that's the, I would definitely rather see the snake and be able to avoid it. But we're also so, going to, so, where we're going in June, there's going to be bears, but. Uh, oh, you're fine. Just make noise. They, they, yeah, they, they don't really want to mess with you. No, bears They're brown bears, or, or black bears, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, black bears. Hey, bear. Hey, bear. Yeah. Hey, give them a couple of hay bears. Yeah. Just don't want to bump into them when you're going going to the uh, men's room in the middle. No, of the no, night. no, 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 no. Hey bear, hey bear, hey bear, hey bear, hey bear, all the way to the can. Sully, if you saw a rattlesnake, what do you think your reaction would be? Mine? Yeah, you. Do you guys have you seen that uh, uh, video of the kid from Purdue? He was five foot seven, 
and he and he jumped in the vertical. He like almost cleared the uh, the bars. Mm-mm. Yeah, that'd be me. That's about how high I would jump. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, it, I, I figured you'd be about as calm as a bus riding a snowstorm. Oh yeah, here we go. Funny guy, <laughs> funny guy. So Scott, these guys. Uh, <laughs> that'd be from Danny right there. <laughs> what, what, did, what did he say? Big Ken ain't staying calm if he's not by a if he if he's not by a rattlesnake. We seen him on a bus in a snowstorm. <laughs> All right, so uh, since we got some time here and we might as well let it roll, uh, when we travel, it seems like every year we travel up to uh, Buff- Buffalo and the uh, Niagara Falls region, and our bus driver is the best. Bart from uh, <clears throat> Barron's busing is the best. I have him drive us everywhere. But it, what makes him the best is like he's very controlled in what may seem in uncontrolled situations, right? Like other buses and trucks are going 35 miles an hour. Bart's like, no, 65 is what we're allowed to go. So that's what I go. And the one time I had my, I was in the front seat of the bus and I had my hands up on the, uh, I don't know, like the little, what do you call that thing, Jay? Like the, the railing? <laughs> the railing. The railing where you put your, your yeah, your, yeah, the, drinks. The, yeah, the railing. The railing. You got the cup holder. Yeah, yeah. The and I'm railing. holding it. I'm holding it like this, and Lev looks at me and goes, "You look like you're riding the Gemini at Cedar Point right now, man." <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was on a blue streak. As bouncy as it was that day, it was the blue streak. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. My favorite Scott is when it gets in that situation, and I don't know, the whole back axle off of a semi truck is on the ground, and the trailer is skidding down the road. And Sully goes, get back there and make sure they have their seatbelt on. And so then he looks over his shoulder because he keeps looking at me and I keep smiling at him. And he's like, this doesn't even bother you. And then he looks over <laughs> and sees like two kids without a seatbelt because they don't listen for anything. And he goes, Jay, I said, could you make sure they have the seatbelt on? I go, yeah, I got it. I got it. So I go back there and I say, if you want him coming back here, keep the seatbelt off because he's going to kill you. So put your damn seatbelt on. It just listen, safety first, man. Safety first. That's the same uh, same trip as soon as the axle fell off. Traffic's coming to a standstill. Bart gets on the off-ramp. Oh, yeah. Crosses over the bridge, right back on the on-ramp, blows past the accident. And never happened. There were two trucks trucks on their their roof right as we got back on. Two two pickup trucks. Excuse me, two pickup trucks. This is a a true story about Bart. So the first time he drove us... um, (laughs) Bart was a, um, he defected from Poland years ago. So he has a pretty heavy accent, but uh, you, I mean, unique story. The guy is, I mean, he's an unbelievable dude, a unique story, but he, um, so he, he gets, he picks us up at at the school and we're going to go to uh, Niagara Falls. And this is the first time I've ever taken a high school group of high school kids over the border and back just by ourselves without their parents. Right. So, um, we had, uh, so he, we're going and we pull up to the border and he goes, uh, okay, coach, uh, you go first. I'm like, uh, no Bart, this, this isn't my bus. Like, I, I don't know what to do here. Like you're the bus driver. You, he's like, no coach, you go first. So, uh, whatever we, we, we get through this and that. So we play our first game or our first day. And I think we won both games the first day. And after the second game, he comes walking. I come walking out to the bus and he goes, God, you got a very good hockey team. Like he used to drive the, the, the Phantoms. All right. So he knew 
like Bobby Mainhart and all those guys when Bobby was coaching over there. So he was like, uh, Coach, you got a very good team. Very good team. Fast, physical, very good team. Okay, thanks, Bart. You know, sweet. So the next morning we lose like two to one in, I don't know, last minute of the game or whatever. It was a good game, whatever. So I'm walking out and I had this medical kit. It was actually like a, uh, an old toolbox on wheels. And I'm wheeling this uh, medical kit out. And he looks at me and he goes, garbage, effing garbage. They stink. They stink. And I'm like, Bart, man, I've been yelled at by parents, refs, athletic directors, but never my bus driver, man. <laughs> he stopped the bus. Where's the bus? He stopped, this way. he stopped the bus. Like we pull out and you just hear. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. He gets out of this chair and he starts screaming at the hockey players. You don't ride my bus, play like garbage like that. Slow. Garbage. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, drive the bus, Mark. Drive the bus. <laughs> if, if, I, if I recall correctly, about a quarter mile down the road, there was a guy in a Santa suit walking down the road. There was. And the guys are yelling, pick him up. And so Bart, poosh, air brakes again. Hey, Santa, you want to come on the bus? We're like, Bart, just drive. Let's go, man. Now, Bart's awesome. All right, well, good stuff. Well, let's see what's going on in the news in the Ohio Hockey Digest. Ohio University had a thrilling start to the ACHA Division I Men's National Tournament on Saturday when a goal by Kyle Kratik, with 27 seconds left in regulation time, gave the Bobcats a 5-4 win over Missouri State. Unfortunately, OU was eliminated in the quarterfinals on Sunday by Liberty University. Still, it was great to see Ohio make it to the Nationals for the 28th season in a row to cap off what was a challenging season. That is something head coach Cole Bell and the team should be very proud of. The Columbus Blue Jackets have signed Powell, Ohio native and former AAA Ohio Blue Jacket forward Carson Meyer to a one-year entry-level contract for the 21-22 season. Meyer was selected by the Blue Jackets in the sixth round, 179th overall, at the 2017 NHL draft following his freshman season at Miami University. He played two seasons for the Red Hawks and two more for the Ohio State University. Meyer, 23, then signed an American League hockey contract with the Cleveland Monsters to start the year. The Blue Jackets signed him after he put up five goals and seven assists for 12 points and a plus 10 rating in his first 13 AHL games. Good for the good for the uh, Ohio kid to be signed by two Ohio teams. Yeah, right. Yep, he's right in our uh, wheelhouse. Ohio native, AAA Blue Jackets, played for Miami and Ohio State, and now uh, the Monsters and uh, Blue Jackets. Off to a great start down there with the uh, uh, with the Monsters. The 2021 IIHF Under-18 Men's World Championship takes place from April 26th to May 6th in Frisco and Plano, Texas. Team USA has named its team captain, and it is incoming Miami University freshman forward Red Savage, who finished the season with the third most points on the U.S. Under-18 team, recording 16 goals and 22 assists for 38 points across 39 games played. Strongsville, Ohio native Dylan Duke is also on the U.S. roster. We have an answer to the trivia question. Who was the first player to sign with the new Cincinnati Junior Cyclones team in the USPHL? The answer is goaltender Blake Mitchell from Liberty Township, Ohio. The Junior Clones have also signed Miami Junior Redhawk Willie Seibel. 
Let's see what's going on with the Cleveland Monsters in this week's Monsters Minute. The Cleveland Monsters saw a season-long six-game win streak come to an end earlier this week with back-to-back road losses against Grand Rapids. The Monsters blew third-period leads in both contests, falling 5-3 on Tuesday before a 2-1 loss on Wednesday. With the Columbus Blue Jackets falling to last place in the Central Division, the Monsters are experiencing a series of roster moves as the Jackets look to give some of their younger prospects opportunities at the NHL level. Six players who have suited up for Cleveland this season are currently on Columbus's active roster. Additionally, four Monsters are currently listed on the club's taxi squad as of Thursday afternoon, including goaltender Matisse Kavlenix and forward Nathan Gerby. The Monsters have made multiple moves to bolster their roster ahead of this weekend's home series against Chicago, the first place team in the AHL Central Division at 15-4-0-1. Former UMass captain Jake Gaudet inked a PTO contract on Monday, while ECHL defenseman Will Lockhead signed with the team last week, and defenseman Brandon Crawley, who played seven games with the Hartford Wolfpack this season, was loaned to Cleveland by the New York Rangers. Crawley's arrangement provides the 24-year-old blue liner with more playing time while adding defensive depth to a Monsters club in desperate need of reinforcements. After taking on Chicago on Saturday and Sunday, the Monsters enter the final stretch of the season with a three-game series on the road against Texas to begin the month of May. The Monsters Minute is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project, Northeast Ohio's leader in player development and advancement. Take your training to the next level this offseason with the Ohio Hockey Project. Before we move on with the show, Scott checked in with friends of the show, Russ Sankiewicz, to get the latest on what's going on at the Ohio Hockey Project. Okay, we're going to get caught up with Russ Sinkowitz from Ohio Hockey Project. The Ohio Hockey Project is Cleveland's first and original skill development organization with a mission to positively shape the dynamic and landscape of the Cleveland hockey community through comprehensive player development and a lifelong commitment to helping each and every athlete to maximize their potential and reach their hockey goals. Russ, how's it going? Great, great. Thanks for having me out. Yeah, nice to see you again. Uh, how, are, how are things going? We haven't talked to you for a little while. How's the little one? Oh, she's good. She's 11, 11 months uh, this actually today, 18th. So, yeah, she'll be, uh, she'll be a year here before we know it. And it's been a, obviously a crazy year for everyone. And having a baby in the middle of it probably didn't make things any easier on, in our house. But um, she's an absolute gift. She's, she's a beautiful girl, and she's been a great baby. So my wife and I, we're lucky to have her. Is she walking yet? Not yet. She's, she's motoring, you know, believe it. She's got, uh, I ordered some mini six four and she's got some little skates and stuff. I think she's probably still at least a year and a half away from really playing with any of those things, but yeah, she's motoring around the furniture, pushing some toys. So got to be close though. Well, I was, uh, it, I, it seems like I was just pushing my son around on a tricycle and we were just looking at driving schools. So that's crazy. Enjoy it while you can. Yeah. I've, I've had that. I've had that warning a lot. <laughs> Enjoy each chapter while you got it. So uh, before we get into what's going on at the Ohio Hockey Project, what uh, let's talk about some current events in hockey. We had just had the trading deadline go by. And, uh, you never got traded, did you? You ever had an experience like that? Or yeah, as a matter of fact, I was I was traded a number of times in my career. Were you? Um, I was I was traded at a junior level. Uh, first ever first ever time I got traded, I got traded from. Uh, the Cornwall Colts in the Central Junior League to the Lincoln Stars in the USHL, which is a very unique uh, situation because a lot of times kids don't get traded um, yeah. in, intra-league like that. Yeah. Um, I remember I got called in at the time in Cornwall. I was, I was a top pair defenseman, and 
Um, that was probably before I really understood the business uh, of the sport and what it was. I remember I was walked out of there wiping tears out of my eyes. I called my parents. I'm like packing up my stuff. Like I got to drive home. It's like nine, 10 hours from Cornwall to Cleveland. And just to literally like get dinner, go to bed and get up at like crack of dawn to drive another like 14 hours to Lincoln, Nebraska. But, um, and then it happened a number of times in my professional career too, where, um, you know, I think if, if anybody ever gets traded, it's, it's a positive thing. I mean, go where someone Someone wants you, right? Yeah, exactly. Someone wants you. So that's a positive thing. But, yeah, I mean, is it was were any of them right at the uh, the trading deadline? I imagine that's a tense time in a professional hockey locker room. Yeah, it is. You know, a lot of people are checking their phones, and some people want to get out, some people want to stay. You never know. It's um, especially at a professional level, and at least in my experience in the American League and the East Coast League, I mean, there really isn't um, such a thing as job security. Whether it's the trade deadline or the first week of the season, I mean, it's kind of a revolving door, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a nerve-wracking thing, and um, I mean, honestly, it's it's kind of it really never ends. To be honest with you, the deadline once the deadline passes, it's kind of nice just to you know catch your breath and realize that at least yeah. you're going to be there to finish the year. Yeah, and uh, it's been kind of a crazy time. We had uh, Chris Bergeron from Miami University on last week, and we were talking to him about the transfer portal. Uh, which with the COVID year, uh, you know, the extra year, the fifth year of eligibility that was added, it's created just a whirlwind of activity in the transfer portal. And, you know, back when you played, it was kind of rare for, for guys to switch programs because you had to sit out a year. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, we were just talking, I was on a camping trip for a couple of days. I just got back and refreshed the transfer portal and it must've been two dozen more names uh, that have moved just over the weekend. It's, it's really crazy. But, you know, well, in, in defense for the players, I, I think that's a really positive thing. I know um, at least when I came through, it was, you really didn't want to transfer if you didn't have to. Um, obviously sitting out a year, it was like purgatory for a hockey player, but then right, you never right. know from your degree, what transfers over or not. And um, mm-hmm. y- you know, to have that opportunity, I, I think is a really positive thing for players because you know, unlike um, being a professional that you have a players association that you could just call people and they, they kind of look out for you. Um, the NCAA, you know, you're to some degree, yes, you're getting an education and, um, and I certainly, I wouldn't do anything differently if I can go back, but you certainly, uh, sometimes you get backed into a corner as a player where to have this opportunity and especially all things COVID, I, I think that's a really, really positive opportunity for a lot of kids and to see that many kids taking advantage of it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And it makes it easier for the uh, the top teams to just plug a hole when they got to have somebody sign uh, a pro contract, for example. So there's been uh, a couple uh, local kids that you're familiar with. One was uh, Adam Scheele, who signed with the Texas Stars, I believe, an AHL contract. But he's since, I believe, signed an NHL deal for two years. Um, that'll kick in starting next season. Um, so he's made his debut. I think he got his first win the other night and, uh, with the Texas stars, a team that you played for. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually, I was, I was texting back and forth with Adam the, uh, the morning after it all happened, he was in an airport on his way from Minnesota to, um, Texas really for Austin. But yeah, it's, it's actually cool too. Cause, um, the captain, when I played there, Travis Moore, he's now the assistant coach and the, and the head coach, um, was actually my assistant coach and I played in Idaho. So, oh, nice. The training staff, it's all the same there. So it's, it's great for him. And it's Austin's an incredible city. And 
obviously Dallas is a, is a phenomenal organization. So yeah, this year was a great, um, for all, a lot of Northeast Ohio hockey players, you know, you had Curtis Hall who signed with the Bruins a few months back, Adam Scheel now, um, Freddie, I'm sorry, Charlie Gerard has been up and down in the American league, um, with Colorado, which has been wonderful. Timmy Gettinger's doing well for himself. He just had a hat trick, um, I think a week ago. Oh, nice. So yeah, so some, some Cleveland, uh, you know, hockey players making some headway nationally, which is really incredible. Yep. And, uh, we're going to have Colin Purcell on the podcast, uh, soon, we hope. Um, and he was, uh, participated in the BioSteel All-American game, I believe it's called. Uh, yep. so he was one of two USHL goaltenders to participate in that. And, uh, it seems like he's, uh, after dealing with some injuries last year, really getting his game on track this year with the Youngstown Phantoms. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's got a uh, Collins. You know, he's a hell of a goaltender. He's got a bright future ahead of him too. So, yeah, be really exciting to see how how that plays out over these next several years. So, tell us what's going on with the Ohio Hockey Project. What are the current uh, programs you have running? What's coming up? What should people be looking to sign up for? Yeah, of course. So it's kind of the calm before the storm right now. Is spring hockey? Uh, we're certainly a little bit more than halfway through it, and um, you know, we have a number of skill stuff that goes on in the spring, but really kind of ramping up for our off season, which is is really what we love to do. So um, a number of the youth programs have, a, have unfortunately sold out. So we have a, lim a limited number of spots remaining for uh, just a handful of different camps, a power skating camp, some goaltending camps, um, some different goaltending development programs, and um, a, a checking and battle camp towards the end of the summer. But um, if, you know, if anything ever does get sold out, please, by all means, get on the wait list because spots open up and crazy things tend to happen with kids getting injured and vacations and, and things change in the family schedule. But um, the summer is going to be amazing. I mean, it's, it's going to be probably the biggest and the best summer that we've ever hosted. And it's something that we're, we're really looking forward to. And we're already gotten a lot of number of ideas lined up with some little tweaks we need to make and some changes. And, um, you know, as things continue to move forward, hopefully in a positive direction with COVID, um, hopefully we can get a little bit back on track because last, uh, last summer was a little bit of a different experience for all of us with, um, outside of, you know, the safety precautions, just with some of the preventative things that we weren't allowed to do at our camps with with groups and different training techniques and stuff like that, which, you know, hopefully uh, by July and, you know, June, July, August, we're kind of moving in the right direction there. But, um, you know, outside of the youth end of it, you move into the uh, the Futures Hockey League, which we can't, uh, I mean, it's the seventh year and it's it's going to be hands down the most talented, the best year we've ever had. Um, just from the interest level and the talent level of the kids that have already enrolled. Um, the registration deadline is just, it's almost in two weeks here. It's Saturday, May 1st. Um, and then the league itself actually doesn't start until the second week of June. But that month in between is huge for us from an administrative standpoint, just to get everything organized with rosters and schedules and jerseys and all that. But um, this summer, what's really exciting is we added a couple, uh, a couple components to it. So, um, starting this year, as, as young as the 2010 and 29s, those will be our youngest birth years that come in. Um, and then what we changed this year is, is a 2007-2008. A so our 2008s will move up with our 2007s. Any of our 2007s, because that's kind of a split birth year where some kids are moving into high school, um, they'll be invited and have the opportunity to hopefully play in the U16 division. Um, and then at the top of that Futures League, we have our U18 division. So this year we'll have four um, summer divisions. And like I said, it's, and just seeing the names and a lot of these kids that are coming through, it's, it's honestly, I'm, I'm really envious of these kids just to have this opportunity in such a structured league and such a talented league. And it's clean. It's well coached. It's really well organized. 
Um, and at the end of the day, it's our mission of this is to bring these kids together to obviously get a great competitive skate every week. But um, at the end of the day, you know, peer competition, especially in our, in the small community that is Cleveland hockey, I think is so huge for these kids. Uh, I just look back to my childhood and how some of the great relationships that I built with kids from different schools and programs, maybe through a pre-post team or a spring tournament or something like that. And then it kind of disappeared a little bit, but to have just a, a summer long and, and um, this year too, we'll go back to the regular, the 10 week schedule, unlike the eight week schedule that we played um, last year due to COVID. So it'll be great. We're, we're really looking forward to it. And um, the games are going to alternate between Winterhurst and Stromsville per usual and, and great game times, seven and eight o'clock. So um, we're really looking forward to it. And if there's any information or, or families are looking forward to it, it's futureshockeyleague.com. And you can find all the social media stuff as well. But um, that's, that's something that we're really, really looking forward to a lot this summer. Yeah, it's great that it just keeps growing. The, the, the talent level between that league and the summer elite league is really unbelievable. I mean, and you have some guys, college and pro players that are coming from all around to play in that. Uh, and now to, to take that same model and, and move it down to some younger age groups, I think it's just fantastic. Yeah, you know, and, and for us, you know, obviously we are a skill development organization first and we don't do teams and tournaments and a lot of these things. But, um, you know, it's been my feeling that there's just so much value to being able to educate a kid through gameplay. Um, no doubt, you know, a kid's skills have to progress and, and check the boxes from, you know, puck handling and skating and shooting and whatnot. Um, clearly cr critical developmental milestones for kids. But at the end of the day, too, um, and I remind kids this, you're always evaluated with how you pull those things together. So to be able to give these kids a platform and um, get some unbiased coaching and then not to mention, it's just really, really fun. I mean, we take the contact out of it. So we're mitigating any, you know, concerns of injuries or any, you know, any crap like that, where it's just good, clean, skilled hockey. And we really do our due diligence um, through the enrollment and the application process to just to ensure that it's, you know, it's kids that are really committed to the sport and coming from, you know, a place of looking to get better. It's, it's not, you know, a pickup or a shinny game or stick and puck or anything like that. It's um, to some degree, it's business. I mean, we want kids showing up, working hard and, um, as you kind of alluded to with the summer elite league, I mean, we're going into the ninth year with that league. Um, this year, we also added a, a new division. So we kind of restructured that league a little bit where it was, uh, since its inception, it was a six team league um, and started five on five. Two years ago, we morphed it down to four on four. Again, to, the main reason was just to open it up and let the skill take over. And um, anybody that's able to, maybe not unfortunately last summer, see many of the games, but uh, hopefully this summer it's a different story, but there's some just wildly, wildly talented hockey players from the NHL, the AHL, the East Coast, a number of different Division One programs represented, um, USHL, North American League, NCDC junior programs. Um, but this year what we did... Some women players, female players? Yes, yes Lauren, Lauren Bernard um, from Clarkson University was killing it last year. In the past, Audrey Warner from Harvard and... Um, Tracy McCann, actually, she played at Minnesota State, Mankato. She also played in Germany. And Kelly Stack has also made an appearance one season. So we've had some very strong female athletes represent over the years. And I hope Lauren will be back. I'm sure she will be. Um, might have to go after Layla and Shayla Edwards at Wisconsin. They're uh, mm -hmm. two very, very talented players as well. But, um, yeah, so but what we did this year is we cut that top division down to four teams. 
And, and the motive behind that was, you know, how do we make it just that much more lean, you know? So by doing it, it really truly becomes, you know, and, and I'm cautious with this word, but an elite league where it's division one pro hockey players and some really high level junior players. Um, yeah, there'll be a good mix of some good talented D3 players as well. But um, by doing this, I think it, uh, it kind of pushes out a couple of players that were looking to look for a different league, but also too, it, it just, what's in the best interest of the league and what keeps the most competitive game on the ice every week. Mm-hmm. Um, so then by doing this uh, and every year, we just have a number of applicants. I think last year it was 60 or 70 players regretfully that weren't selected. Um, many of which are very, very talented players in their own right with, with really bright futures ahead. So what we did is we created a second division for those players and we call it our premier division. It's also a four team division that division will feature players uh, as young as 2004 birth years. So that's kind of like a U16 AAA, uh, a lot of 03s, 02s, 01s, and 2000s. So that's U18 junior players, a lot of uh, club players, some D3 players as well. But um, what a lot of families and, and kids I don't think really understand is just how many of their peers are chasing the same dream they are. Um, there's a lot of kids that play beyond high school at a multitude of different levels, club and junior and D3, many of which don't even know each other. Um, so for us, it's a really cool opportunity to tie a lot of these kids together and again, give them a platform of, hey, this is not a men's league. This is not stick and puck. This is a really, really structured uh, league of talented players all trying to pursue the highest level they can. So that too, it'll mirror the summer elite league. It'll be a four on four league. Um, games will be played out of Strongsville. Those games are Monday night. Um, though the deadline for the summer elite league, both divisions is May 15th to apply. So, um, and it's the same exact format. You know, we really d- dig in and do our due diligence when kids apply. Um, you know, the, the kids that we don't know that we, we reach out to their coaches and we look them up and just to ensure that um, they kind of fit the bill here for, you know, a, a really competitive league and competitive gameplay. So it, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I know, just in speaking to a number of kids that will be participating this summer, I know that they, they couldn't, they're, they're jacked for it. You know, they're, they're really excited that regardless of what division they fall in, it just gives them something to really look forward to every week and, and keep their game sharp because, you know, you kind of start really thinking about it and there's not a lot of resources. Sure. They'll get on the ice and they'll train. And, and we do have a number of junior college and pro training groups. Um, but you know what, you know, four or five months of drills, and team drills and pickup games gets old. So to be able to have something that, hey, we're keeping stats and, um, you know, the digest, you know, does a phenomenal job hosting all that. And it's really, really fun. I know the kids, uh, they're constantly breaking down my email, trying to get points changed and stuff like that. So <laughs> it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. I know they get a lot out of it. Well, it is, like you say, it's more, it's not just a, uh, you know, a summer pickup league. Kudos to you. It's very well structured, well thought out, very professionally done. And uh, just a phenomenal resource for for the players up here to uh, to keep their games sharp and and move forward over the summer. You mentioned the Futures League website. The uh, for the other your main website to sign up for any of the other um, clinics and that that's uh, OhioHockeyProject.com. Correct. Correct. Yeah, everything is hosted through that website. So yep. whether you're you're popping on to find a program for your daughter or for a squirt or a peewee or anything like that, it's through the OhioHockeyProject.com. And if we're looking more towards the futures league, futureshockeyleague.com or the summer elite league.com host those different league websites as well. And before we let you go, what happens at a checking and battle camp? 
Uh, so it's a really fun week. So what we do for our older kids, you can obviously expect a lot of checking and body contact, but for our younger kids, arguably it, it's almost more valuable because it's really instilling, Hey, this is body position and this is reading angles, um, mitigating injury and being comfortable with it. And, and I try to tell kids this all the time, but as you start to get older, checking, it falls in line is just another skill in, in your Rolodex of things, right. That you can work and bring to the game and, and getting kids comfortable with that. And Hey, you know, not every hit's going to be a big sports center bone crushing hit, but some of the best plays are the ones that are just a really subtle, simple angle rub out and then steal the puck. And um, that's something that we're trying to teach kids at a young age. Yeah. I remember when I was, uh, yeah, I was about 12 years old, I think. And my cousin went to, uh, it was Gary Doak's summer camp, but Bobby Orr was there and some Bruins players and all that. It was really cool. And the checking clinic was done by Mike Milbury. I don't know if you're old enough to remember. I mean, yeah. you know him from TV, obviously, but he yeah. was a bad, bad guy to deal with on the ice back then. He was a, kind of a goon for the Bruins. And that was his whole thing. He was telling people, you don't need to drill the guy through the glass. You just need to separate him from the puck. And the kids are like, are you telling us this? Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's probably not coming from the right, the right voice. <laughs> not, but... not, the, not the right guy to deliver that message. They've seen the video of him beating a guy over the head with his own shoe. I know, I know. It's, it's amazing. And, and, you know, the art, the art of contact, um, you know, I kind of made a career out of it, but it, I mean, it, it's a very, very technical thing. And by teaching the right, the right details at, at the right age can go a really, really long way for kids. So that's, that's one of the main yeah. missions that week for us. It's all timing, right? Uh, timing's a huge thing. And it's, it's angles. Positioning, timing, posi angles, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, certainly. All right. Well, it was nice catching up. And uh, we will be talking to you again, I'm sure, soon. And everybody needs to get to ohiohockeyproject.com to check out, get registered for the programs, either the Summer League, the uh, Elite League, Futures League, or any of the camps that are coming up. Russ Sinkowitz from the Ohio Hockey Project. Let's get on air with Long Island University recruit Spencer Cox. Our next guest. Comes to, comes to us via Westerville, Ohio, the AAA Columbus Blue Jackets, Culver Military Academy, the Omaha Lancers of the USHL, the Chippewa Steel of the North American Hockey League. Please welcome on air Long Island University recruit Spencer Cox. Thanks for having me. Appreciate oh, thank, it. Thank you for uh, joining us. Well, you know, some of our listeners here, you know, we this is obviously Ohio Hockey Digest, but we do have listeners from yeah. different areas. But uh, let's learn a little bit about Spencer Cox and, and, and who are you? Where did you come from? How did you end up in Chippewa steal the North American hockey league right now? Uh, and, and take us back to your youth days, high school juniors and such. Yeah. So I was born in Westchester right outside Philadelphia and then, uh, moved to actually Westerville, uh, right outside of Columbus for my dad's job. Uh, lived in Westerville for, for a bit. And then I just started playing, uh, playing, learning to play hockey at Chiller North uh, out in Lewis Center. Um, and then just went up the ranks from there, played for the Columbus Capitals, uh, and then went on to play for the Ohio Triple A Blue Jackets from Squirt Minor all the way to Bantam Major. And um, from there, uh, my Bantam Major year, I, uh, I wanted to go to a prep school. And I wanted to go to that route. And I was picking between some prep schools and uh, Culver was just closest. And I loved everything about it with the military and uh, the school and every aspect. And I decided to go to Culver and went to Culver for four years. 
And then I was supposed to play in Cedar Rapids uh, for this year in the USHL, but they folded. Um, and then I was picked up at, by Corpus in the NAW draft this year. And then they folded. Um, then Jamestown picked me up and then they folded. And then um, Austin, the Austin Bruins picked me up and um, I decided not to go there. And then I signed in the BCHL. I was going to go out there, flew to Calgary. And then um, flew to Calgary and couldn't get in. Uh, I got sent back to the States. Um, and then the day, a day later, uh, Omaha called me and I went to Omaha the day after. Uh, I was there for about four months and then uh, decided it was best for me to develop more in the NAW. So I decided to go to Chippewa and Chippewa had my rights. And that's how I ended up in Chippewa. So it's been a crazy year for sure. Well, I want to make a sure longer I, answer than I think we were yeah, expecting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to make sure our listeners understand he was talking about hockey and not a poker game because yeah. everybody was folding <laughs> there. Yeah. Um, so so you end up in Chippewa. And yeah. um, as I mentioned in the, in the uh, intro, you then uh, are approached or, and, and I want to talk, I want you to talk to our listeners and us, uh, frankly, about the recruiting process to Long Island University. It's a, yeah. it's a second year program. It is in the city uh, that undoubtedly has been hit the hardest through the mm -hmm. pandemic. How, yeah. does, how does a school like that, how do they make it you know, attractable for a hockey player like you to come to the school and play? Yeah, I think it starts with the coaching staff. Um, Coach Riley, I mean, uh, his just coach Riley. I mean, if you name, if you say the last name Riley in college hockey, I mean, it's, it's a lot. And he's, uh, he's done a great job. And um, I mean, there's a lot of words I can say about him, but I just really liked everything about what he had to, what he brought to the table um, and the way that he's going to build that program. And I believe that he will. Um, and the way he goes about his business every day to help, help his players develop. And I just wanted to be a part of it. Um, and I, we built a previous relationship when he was at Colgate as well. So uh, that, that helped a lot, but um, I, I really believe in coach Riley and uh, that he's going to do well um, helping his players and helping Long Island uh, achieve their goals. And I wanted to be a part of it and help build a culture at Long Island. So I was super excited to, uh, to commit and uh, very thankful for it. So what sold you on Long Island other than the hockey? Um, I mean, it's, it was just an opportunity for me. That's all you need as a hockey player. Um, I mean, if you want to play college hockey, you just need that opportunity. And if you're good enough, scouts and, or anybody will find you. And I just, I got that opportunity and I trusted coach Riley um, and I also think it'll, I also think it'll be a good fit for me academically. Um, you know, I'm going to take a class this summer and get a head start. So I'm super excited about that. And it's also in a good, good area. And I have, uh, I have blood related, like in the East coast. So I always love the East coast and New York is just New York. Like you can't really say anything about it. One of the best cities in the world. So, um, I'm excited. Does it, does it make you nervous at all? Uh, uh with the times that we live in and the area you may be going to or the area you are going to, uh, to further your hockey and, and educational career. 
Um, yeah, here and there, but um, they, I mean, the university does a good job of taking care of the students and athletes. So I think, I think I'll be fine. Um, but I mean, yeah, I get what you're saying with like going out and uh, checking out the city and everything, but that's all on my part. I got to do my job, wear my mask and uh, it'll be better in the, in the long run for me. So with, with the NCAA transfer protocol, I'm looking over the last transaction of Long Island right now. <clears throat> you got a guy coming. Oh, I'm sorry. Guy coming from Yale. Guy yeah. Coming from Arizona state, a guy coming yeah. from RPI university, of Anch- Alaska Anchorage, which that's a no brainer. Cause it's too damn cold in Alaska. Yeah. How, how do you think your game is going to benefit Long Island being in their second year? Um, well, they're doing a good job in the transfer portal right now because, you know, the transfer portal in NCAA hockey is just like free agency at the pros. Um, so they're doing a good job with that. But, you know, I think I'm going to come in with a lot of opportunity to do my end of the part, do my job to prove to people that I can play in every situation, and that being power play, penalty kill, five on five, four on four, whatever it needs to be. But at the end of the day, I just need to go in do my job, uh, do, do well in school, uh, work hard, work hard off the ice and on the ice. And I think it'll, uh, I think it'll help me out. Um, so at the end of the day, it just all comes up to me with me doing my job, putting the work in to succeed. But I think I'll, I'll have a great opportunity to, to do a great job there and help lead and, um, help work my way up with Long Island and, and to be a leader. Well, I can tell you with the fact that you went to what, what did you say? Four or five different places. And then they folded. I, I know nobody's helping you find those other locations. Yeah. So you're, you're not afraid to do the work. And that's, that's awesome. And you mentioned the word yeah. opportunity again, was that mm-hmm. part of the decision you mentioned you're in Omaha and uh, made the decision to drop down to tier two. Is that about just getting some playing time and letting people see you play? Yeah. Um, you know, I was very thankful for the opportunity I got to, uh, that I got from coach Wilkie to come play in Omaha. Um, you know, he gave me that opportunity to make that team. I made the team. Um, I made, I was on the, uh, I played the, the, the home opener, uh, scored the game winning goal. And then just from there, like the roster was just so deep, um, with returning guys, veteran guys in the league, guys coming down from college, um, just cause of COVID and everything. So, you know, I was working hard every single day, but it was just, it was just coming to an end where I'm 19 turning. I need to be playing hockey every single day and every night, every weekend. Um, so it was best for my development to play 20, 25 minutes a night and then all, and then waiting my opportunity to sit in the stands, being a healthy scratch, watching games. So, uh, at the end of the day, I'm very thankful for that opportunity. I learned a lot, but, I'm uh, I'm happy I decided to come down to the Nall and like the Nall is a great league this year with everybody getting sent down from the U. Um, so it, it's been a fun time and uh, I've been definitely developing uh, and playing a lot and that's all I need. What's your favorite thing to do on a bus ride? And what's the longest one you've had so far this year? Uh, favorite thing to do on a bus ride is probably... Uh, Sleep's not an answer. No. Yeah, I know. No, uh, probably watch some TikToks or uh, watch something on Netflix. Um, or if we uh, if we win, uh, um, go to the back of the bus and hang out and uh, talk some stories with some of the boys. That's always a great time. 
Any any card playing on the bus? Anything like that? Uh yeah. The older guys like to play card games. Uh, I'm not into it, but okay. uh, they do. What do they um, play? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. Euchre, pinochle. knuckle. Uh, I have no idea. Bridge. <laughs> Jesus. So our, so uh, our, our longest. Our you guys longest playing cards? Ride, <laughs> our longest bus ride this year has been about five hours um just because our division all the teams are in like minnesota um in wisconsin and everything but we actually leave tomorrow to fly out to alaska so that'll be that'll be a lot of traveling yeah what time do you what time do you guys fly out we leave tomorrow night at two in the morning wow yeah and where do you fly into are you going to kenai yeah, we're pl- we're going to Kenai and then we're going to Fairbanks. So we're playing oh, nice. both teams. Yeah. Nice. So have you, been to, have, have you been to Alaska before? No, this is my first time. So I'm excited. Check it off the bucket list. It'll be yeah, fun. Yeah, get get some videos of moose. Yeah. <laughs> They're like dogs. They're like dogs in Alaska. They're running rampant. Yeah. yeah, it'll be pretty cool. So Spencer, question for you. you, yeah. you, you the Long Island University, uh, if I if I did my research right. They play at the Islanders practice facility, correct? Yeah. Now, talk to me a little bit about how, I mean, how do you think that will be? Do you think that's an advantage uh, that you guys are in the same building as a lot of the, not only players, but front office personnel as well, uh, that that may just get a look at a couple D1 guys right in their own building? Yeah. uh, They they mentioned that to me when they were recruiting me to go there. Um, You know, like. Hell, I should be a recruiter. And all their, like. (laughs) <laughs> their uh their gm their all their scouting like they just come in and sit down and watch their practices uh like twice twice a week and that's an advantage uh that hopefully works out or something for my teammates or myself you never know but um that was a big part too and plus uh we uh we have our own gym in the uh in the islanders practice practice facility so that came in uh that came in and I think that's really good as well. Cause you know, you got, you got practice facility, you got a practice sheet and then you got a workout facility as well. Um, and that's all you need to uh, get better. So yeah. Good. So I got to back you up. What, yeah. what, what takes a guy from Westerville, Ohio? Obviously you said you were looking for prep schools. Why not? As you said, you have, you have family in the East. Why not go east and why choose Culver Academy in Indiana? Um, you know, I I visited prep schools out east, loved them, visited Culver. Um, I just say the leadership part of it that I've learned that I like that I would learn that when I would go to Culver, um, that really came in. Um, the relationships that you build from uh culver uh, i've heard before like i was going there i heard a lot of stories of people still talk to their <clears throat> classmates that they went to at, that they went with at school um also the location it was only four hours from columbus so my parents would come see me play um the academics um that was a really big part of why I was to go to Culver because it would help me out uh, with my academics. Cause at the time I was struggling to like learn how to be a good student and everything. And me going to Culver, I knew that was going to help me out in the long run to help me 
go play NCAA and help my grades out, help my test scores and everything. So I would say the military, like I was looking at the military, like, wow, like this is going to suck. But at the end of the day, like me looking back at Culver, it helped me so much with the way I go about my business every day, like me making my bed every morning. Uh, it's like little things I do uh, on the side that I, that just came with, that just came with the military. Um, so I love the military. Most people don't. And like Culver's a place where it's either for you or it's not for you. So, um, and it was, it fitted me and I loved it. Uh, I miss it uh, to this day right now. It's interesting you say that we, how some themes start occurring. This is the 48th podcast we've done and some yeah. themes start recurring. We talked to uh, Chris Bergeron at Miami last week. Yeah. And as we were talking, it's like that pro the way he's doing it and his program, it's not for everybody. You have to find the right fit. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, you, you yeah. did that at, at Culver certainly, and that's how you're going to be successful. Uh, if we can yeah. back up just a minute to your, you know, growing up in the mm -hmm. Columbus area, um, who are some of the coaches that you had that were influential uh, moving you up? And uh, are there any other guys that you played with uh, in the youth hockey ranks that are uh, moving on to junior hockey or college? Yeah. So um, first off, uh, Todd Erie, um, the Ohio Triple Blue Jackets. Um, he helped out my dad and I so much um, off the ice and a huge part of my success. And um, he helped me so much learning stuff off the ice and on the ice. Um, and I still talk to him to this day and I thank him for everything. Um, and then Andrew Castles, he helped me a lot. Um, that was my Bantam major year. Um, just the way he went about coaching, you know, he played at the highest level. He knew what he was coaching and saying. So I took every knowledge that I could from him. Um, every little detail, he was very helpful. Um, our assistant coach as well, Mike Maroney. Um, he was a great guy and I loved everything I learned from him. Um, and, uh, who else? Um, with my birth year, we, we sticked with, uh, we sticked with, uh, coach Erie and coach Maroney, um, all the way until Bannon major and we had Andrew Castle. So I only had three coaches. They were the best and uh, they're great guys. Um, trying to think that's about it. Yeah. Well, I, I want to, I love I wanna, the Ohio AAA blue jackets uh, organization. I love what they're doing. I want to go back to something you said earlier. And, yeah, and, yeah. and I think it's yeah. important that uh, our young listeners that uh, maybe are, uh, you know, Bantam age kids or even midget age kids or whatever it may be that listen, or even those guys that might be in the junior ranks right now, you know, you, you had an mm -hmm. opportunity to play at the uh, highest level of junior hockey here in, in the United States. And, and you, you did, and, and, but you, you recognized and you made a mature decision that you yeah. weren't going to get better for you at that level mm -hmm. because you wanted to play every day. And I think a lot of our kids, and, and this is why I want to yeah. I, I come back to this is, a lot of our kids need to understand that you can make it to the next level. You're a prime example. You made it to division one level out of the North American mm -hmm. hockey league. And you chose yeah. to go, you chose to go that route so you could get your reps. Mm -hmm. So I find yeah. that, I find that commendable. Yeah. You know, it was, I mean, and that's a decision that I think 
was made because I went to Culver and I knew what, what to do during that, during like that time. And I think Culver helped me a lot with that decision being, being mature, knowing what to do in certain situations. And that's, that's, it is, it's, it is a good example of me being mature and making a great, great decision for my development. And it helped me out in the long run. And so I'm very happy for that. Very good. Very good. Well, Spencer, uh, we thank you for coming in. Uh, talking to us a little bit, uh, getting to learn about you, your, well, unbelievable rise and then kind of a crazy few months there uh, uh, during the COVID and everyone folding and what what may, you know, whatever there, but uh, good luck the rest of the year. Good luck at uh, Long Island University. And uh, uh, we will be definitely staying in touch. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. The third period of this episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by the United States Premier Hockey League. The 2021 USPHL NCDC Combines are set to take place in Detroit, Michigan, April 23rd and 24th, and Chicago, Illinois, May 14th and 15th. Players born between January 1st, 2001 and December 31st, 2005 will be eligible. Limited openings available for all positions. The USPHL and its tuition-free division, the NCDC, are providing an unparalleled comprehensive on and off ice recruiting opportunity for players from throughout the United States. More than 150 players committed to college hockey over the 2019-2020 NCDC season alone. And there are currently over 50 Division I committed players skating in the NCDC. Register at www.usphl.com forward slash combines. Well, hey, that was a good little impromptu conversation with Spencer Cox uh, of uh, soon to be Long Island University. Um, You know, I I just, one of the things I really wanted to hear from him was the recruiting process, as we talked about before we got him on, was the recruiting process to Long Island in the midst of this global pandemic, which is one area that's been hit the hardest. So he really, he really broke it down. And Scott, you said, you know, you said there's common themes here. He talked about the coach. He talked about the process, being a part of that uh, program and that culture. And I, I guess it doesn't matter where the school is or what the school is called. If you find a comfort zone, that's your comfort zone. Well, the fact, you know, one thing that stuck out, that stuck out to me, excuse me, was that, you know, he did his research and, and went out east and looked at prep schools and, and he went, uh, slightly west of himself, uh, four hours away to Culver Military Academy. And he credits them for helping him with the mental fortitude when, what, what, did, what did we count off about four different junior programs uh, 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 went away for the year? Folded. And folded, excuse me, folded. And then goes all the way to Calgary and gets sent home because they won't let him in the country. Yet still not only goes to Omaha, plays in Omaha, and I know it has it listed has him listed playing two games, but he went to Omaha, was doing the work in Omaha, and realized he needed to make a different decision to better himself, so that he could hopefully at the time play on future. And it worked out in his favor, and he's on his way to Long Island or sky's the limit. How many kids? How many kids would have sat in Omaha and just say, "Well, I'm in the USHL," and 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 probably not hone their skills, maybe even decrease their skills because they're not getting the daily reps. They're not getting the game time. They're literally sitting in the stands. We, you, all of us on this uh, podcast know a lot of kids would have done that. 
Oh yeah. You're not going to get better if you're not getting reps and nobody's going to recruit you or find you if you're not playing in the games. So uh, like he mentioned, there, there are kids that get D one scholarships out of the, the, the tier two North American league, you know, it's yeah. the right, it's the right spot for some, you know, when, but, when but we you talk to, when we talk to Ian Moran, I don't believe he ever said he was scouting the kids that were sitting in the stands. Right. No, right. you and, gotta be on the ice at, at no matter what level you okay. gotta be on the ice. And if you're not on the ice in the USHL, get your butt on the ice in North American Hockey League. Connor Hellebuck played in that league. Patrick Maroon played in that league. That's just two off the top of my head. I'm sure there's more. There, there's Vogel Huber told us he should have stayed in the North American League. Yeah. 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 That's true. So. Well, well, that was a great conversation. So, Spencer, thank you for coming on and joining us. Uh, join us next week when we will be speaking with representatives from Team Ohio, Gilmore Gladiators, and the AAA Ohio Blue Jackets. And we'll give them a send-off as they head to the respective USA Hockey National Tournaments. Continue to grow the game as best as we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. Well, we, I don't know if this is